All right, and welcome to another episode of This Week in Hearing. Today, I am joined by Nick Morgan Jones and Gray Dowdy, uh, like Rowdy. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> wanted to bring these two on today um, to talk about what they're building with Decibels. Uh, really an awesome story and project. Uh, I've been following Nick for a while and, um, you know, along this journey, it's been about a year, I think, since you sort of introduced to the world what you were trying to do with this. Um, first time I'm getting to meet Gray. So awesome to have you here as well, Gray, and hear a little bit more about, you know, what's going on a year from, you know, the, the genesis of this whole project and, and kind of like how you guys are progressing with, uh, with your project and, and where things stand today. So let's kick things off, let you two introduce yourselves, um, maybe talk about, you know, how you even got to, to know one another. So we'll start with you, Nick. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, so yeah, my name's Nick and I started this project where it used to be called Butterfly Audio the last time we were talking at least. Uh, and this was kind of the personal project for a long time to reimagine hearing tech. Well, the stigma associated with hearing tech is something that's always frustrated me. And this project is a way to try and um, eliminate that stigma and have hearing tech, which is super cool. So I started working on this I think full time about yeah about a year ago, and in March I made a statement to the world saying I'm gonna <laughs> redesign my own hearing aids in my bedroom because I hate <laughs> how my current hearing aids look. Uh, and after making that kind of statement, I went, "Oh God, now I actually have to go ahead and do it." And there's a lot of skills that I didn't have to uh, to move forward with this, and that's where I reached out to Gray. Actually, um, we used to work together and uh still working together in a slightly different light now awesome yeah good intro uh yeah i can introduce myself a bit i'm gray um i'm originally from the states from california now i live in munich in germany and uh, i've been a product designer and like a mechanical engineer product developer and all that kind of stuff um for like you know i guess it's getting close to a decade now um, yeah, so we used to work together. Actually, I, I think the story how we met was pretty good. I think it's funny. Um, so we we didn't really, we were like in the same company, but in different offices. So we didn't meet and we we're at the Christmas party. And I randomly sat next to him. And I think, I think at first I didn't really like you. <laughs> I thought because you were like you were super cool and you're just like uh, I, I'm not even sure if I want to be here right now and then and then we started really really hitting the wine pretty hard I think we got yeah. really drunk and then it was like super yeah. fun and then we we're like best friends all of a sudden <laughs> it was a pretty good time we just yeah, kept yelling the, out the name of the wine <laughs> yeah can remember we just kept yelling the name of the wine like can I, yeah. I looked up later and we were saying it totally wrong <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's and that's how we became friends. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. Like when we're not drinking, yeah. yeah. When we're not drinking, we're usually pretty <laughs> professional, I think. So we yeah. we did a bunch of projects together through that that place we worked at, and um, the Nick Nick started working on this project, and then I think I'd randomly get emails from him like, "Hey, can you tweak this three D file, or can you like three D print this for me?" and it kind of just started blowing up into like, oh, now all of a sudden I'm designing the product for Nick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or I guess with Nick is a better way to say it, not for Nick. Um, yeah, so now we're working on this together. It's a super cool project. 
as like a product industrial designer, it's like a, like a great thing to work on. You know, I'm always like scoping out like the next coolest thing I can put my hands on to. So um, once Nick told me about this, I always had this in the back of my head, like, oh man, I should really try to trick him into letting me do some design work on this thing. And obviously that's been successful. And uh, yeah, now we're just pushing forward in the future together. Yeah. I mean, I think that what's really interesting though, is, um, you know, when you were, when you made your proclamation, you know, on, on, on social media and you kind of announced that I'm going to try to redesign the way in which, you know, hearing aids look, um, and, and just go back to first principles and really think through like, what, what could this thing look like if we started from scratch today? And I loved everything that you did around, you know, the 3d printing process. And it sounds like Gray, you were pretty integral in that part. So can you just talk a little bit about what that was like, I guess, getting to the point now where you actually have a functional prototype, it seems like there was tons and tons of different iterations. And again, like just doing this out of your quote unquote bedroom is, um, I think just kind of inspiring. And it's also a testament to what can be done today. I mean, it's like, that's, you know, through all of these cool new innovations like 3d printing, you actually can from scratch develop a prototype. Um, and that's really, really neat. So just kind of talk through, I guess, like what that was like that period of iterating. I'm sure there were parts of it where you probably thought like, Oh, this is pointless. What are we doing? Um, but you didn't give up and you kept pushing through it. So I'm just curious to hear about like what this was like. Let's say there's different streams like that we have been working on and like also obviously in the future. Um, one of those was like, let's say the more classic designy things, like what are the materials? What's the shape? What's kind of like the design language we industrial designers like to call it. So what's the general vibe of the product? Um, that that's one stream. And then another stream be like how the thing fits and how secure it is and how you put it on and like the ergonomics and kind of like the functional part of the, uh, the stuff, all the stuff that's not the electronics. And then the electronics are another thing too. Actually probably give that over to Nick. I can talk about the other two. Um, so the, let's start with the design language, um, kind of stuff. Cause that's the stuff I like to talk about. Um, yeah, we, um, Nick, when I jumped on this project, Nick, he already had some starting points of, um, some kind of ideas he had, like he sent me some, like some watches and some glasses and I think some other kind of products too. And we started kind of getting like, um, I would say like designers like to call it design language, but uh, that's not really like a good word to communicate it. I like to call it like the vibes, but that's like a super like California thing. Like what are the vibes of this thing, man? Um, so we kind of like started getting like the vibe that we wanted to go for. Um, and then basically uh, the process is we make a bunch of different ideas. So we made like, um, and, and these are like, uh, let's say 3d modeling and then putting some materials on them and making some renders out of them. Um, so in the end you have like kind of almost this photorealistic image of a product that doesn't exist yet. So you can already kind of look in the future before you build it. Um, so we, um, made some different ideas out of that. I think we had something that was really like really plasticky and like fun and kind of like a kind of electronicsy thing. We had some like more dynamic, a little sportier kind of ideas with like black and metal. Um, some kind and of jewelry. Like, kind of, 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. We had that one as well. Yeah, like one that was kind of like a, I don't know what to call it, like a like liquid metally kind of looking thing. Yeah, something like that. So we we tried a bunch of different uh, stuff out, and then we came to this one, which is the one like that's on the website now, um, which is like uh, like really, I'd say like definitely inspired by like you know just like uh, acetate glasses. Like we have this clear plastic material, which uh, like you know looks like acetate, and we we're still in the process of figuring out what this actually is in the end. Um, we have like this like uh, metal wires inserts that kind of like is the design detail on glasses, but also has a lot of functional benefits and kind of like this like metal highlight piece that's kind of looks inlaid. Um, so we got to that um, through like it kind of really fit with the vibe we wanted, but also um, we wanted something that looks kind of like a hearing device and not like, for instance, headphones. Um, and that was something that we actually found out like a little bit by accident by uh, like Nick wearing his around town and trying to talk to people and see what their reaction was. We found that the material had a really big impact on like, does this look like a headphone or a hearing uh, device kind of thing? Um, yeah. So in the end, we ended up like coming to this thing that uh, doesn't look like a hearing aid, but it doesn't look like earbuds, but you still kind of get the sense of the hearing thing, but it's a little bit more like, let's say, refined than like what I think hearing aid designs usually are at least it's like different uh and kind of fits with the visor one so that was yeah that's that's the story I think um Nick had already found out some functional things before I got on to like um we're thinking about moving the microphone to like in front of the ear and I think that has some benefits too um and uh yeah so that's that's like a quick overview of the design story so like the the tools, which I guess is also maybe interesting too, is like a lot of a lot of sketching, uh, a lot of three D printing, a lot of like uh, making like rendering on a computer using like uh, CGI software kind of stuff, which is like the standard industrial design tool set. And also the actually the really fun part of this too is like in the middle of a pandemic. And Nick and I live in different cities, which aren't too far. He's in Berlin. I'm in Munich. So it's like a four-hour train ride. But a lot of those are remote. So we're just like, you know, sending pictures, having video calls. I'm just like dropping stuff in the DHL box to send over to him. Um, yeah. But that was like the design styling, I think, was relatively straightforward. Uh, I'd say in general, it's super cool that like you can have an idea and then you can spend like, what? 200 euros or less on a 3d printer and then boom we've got like a new idea uh, it's just kind of cool how you can go from sketches to having something physical in such a short space mm -hmm. of time I, I guess like 20 years ago like you would spend a lot of money on a 3d printer whereas now it's just Dude, something super cheap yeah even like five or ten years ago it was like mm. the cost because when i was in my bachelor's i remember which is way back i'm like like 2010 range of time um there was a 3d printer at our school and it was like it was like 100k yeah and i yeah, think it was like kind of one of the only things available at that time and then all of a sudden now we have these like super cheap consumer 3d printers that make like like especially for something like this where it's like some products you can kind of get away with not really like prototyping and testing them up. So like, you know, if you wanted to design 
I don't know, like, like a speaker or something like the, the prototyping, the physical form is like, once you do it once, you're like, okay, it's not going to fall apart kind of thing. But like, it's not something you have to fit on a body or all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really cool. I think we're kind of lucky and the timing too. I'm, I'm curious. So like when you were in the midst of really iterating, how often were you creating new 3d prints? Was it like, you know, boom, here's a new one, send it to Nick, Nick tries it out. Okay. I need you to tweak this. I mean, if you had to guess how many iterations did it take for you from the first one to where you're finally like, this is really good. This fits me. Too I think I have count? a bag of that. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I, I have some too. That's the thing. I have a box one too. I'd say so like many. 15 to 20. Does that sound right, Nick? I think, I think more though. I mean, I mean, like also yeah. even before we moved to 3D printing, just using wire and foam and stuff like this, mm. is, I must have done like 10, 20 of them because I think I think the, the thing with it is, well, I think generally in design, you often think in kind of what's in your X axis, what's in your Y axis, what's you know in your Z axis, but ears are like, there's like, there's no straight lines. Everything is kind of weird and every ear is kind of unique and different. So creating a shape, which all the pressure points and structurally important areas are all in the right position. It just, you, you can't really do it on paper because there's really very little straight lines. You're very much working within a 3D space in order to create a structurally, um, like, structurally good piece of technology as well. So yeah, yeah, and you know, like if you're designing like like watches or clothes or something, there's actually a lot of like publicly available data on. Um, it's called like anthropometric data. So like how, how big are people's heads usually and what's the range of sizes or like how long are people's noses? There's a lot of this kind of data available, but like, you know, for the ears and especially like the points we want to touch on the ears and what the exact like 3D layout of that is. I mean, I can find anything. So basically we've just resorted to like, let's just start making stuff and put it on people's heads and stick in these little speakers and people's ear holes and seeing what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but so with this, so you, you landed on the one that's fits Nick. And then it sounds like you have like 20 people that you're currently sort of iterating on and, and trying to create something that fits for them as well. So say that that's all successful. And so you have this side of, of the equation is how do you actually design the device itself? And then I guess the other side of it is what you put in the device, all the electronics exactly. and all that. So has that been more in your wheelhouse, Nick? Yeah, well, I think the important thing is that um, <clears throat> we're not really approaching this whole project from designing everything from the ground up, like when yeah. it comes to electronics, because I mean, I think we would have said before that the, I mean, there's a lot of really solid hearing tech out there. It totally. does a great job. Our kind of yep. hypothesis is it, that no one really wants to wear it. I mean, no one is generalization, but like given how good the tech is and how much it can improve your life, not enough people want to adopt that technology. Um, and so we're really focusing on how can we redesign it and reposition it in a way to take it forward. So with that in mind, um, we're actually looking to work with manufacturers to 
basically fill our new form factor of a device with already existing, already proven technology, rather than having to build that from the ground up. So we're currently in conversations with a few different um, manufacturers who've reached out to us. And we're just, yeah, in the process of finding the the right one that's going to be like a, a great partner to work with, as well as provide the technology to create the experience that we, we really want to deliver as well. I think that's an important part that there is some great hearing tech out there, but maybe the the tech stack is just not really going to deliver the kind of listening experience that we want. And by listening experience, I guess not focusing too much on the audio quality, but more on um, is there going to be Bluetooth connectivity? What is it going to be rechargeable battery? Is it, um, yeah, there's just, there's a number of kind of extra additional features within the electronics, which we're interested in looking into and seeing what things should we compromise on? What things should we really um, try and get in to build a really solid experience? And I think this is something that generally in the hearing tech industry, as a hearing aid wearer myself, I've felt has been lacking is just focusing on what do I want? Like as a, as a wearer of hearing tech, like what would be like super nice to have? And I mean, I think Apple gets pulled into every conversation, but like they focus on that first and foremost, what's the experience of using their products. And I mean, AirPods, like every, every detail of how the hinge on the box opens and everything is really carefully thought about because it just makes it a pleasure to use. And this is really how we're trying to think about hearing tech as well. We want it to be a pleasure to use um, from the technology through to the fit and everything in between. Yeah, like absolutely, and like uh, just to re re uh, reiterate, oh, that's a big word. So now <laughs> I sound smart because I said it. Um, just to reiterate what Nick said, uh, like the like the studies on like how satisfied people are with like the normal hearing aid function. The satisfaction rate is like super high. It's like like because I'm a total outsider to this industry. Like now I'm kind of getting into it, but before I was, and I was really surprised. Like you know, um, it's like, you know, like high eighties, low nineties kind of rates of people saying like they're satisfied or very satisfied with their hearing aid, depending on what you look at. So like the, the like main function of a hearing aid isn't really the problem. I think of like why um, people are wearing hearing aids, um, as far as I can tell. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, that's why we're just focusing on like, okay, I mean, like, 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 again, to like use the, the vernacular that all the silly Californians use, hearing aids just aren't cool. <laughs> and I think like, we want to, we want to make them cool. You know, that's, that's like the, the most layman way I can uh, think of to say <laughs> what we're doing. Well, I, yeah. I do. I think it's uh, it's really interesting because that is what the that you're really challenging. I know, like, is the status quo of, and I think it's really interesting that you've already sort of identified that it's not really the functionality that's the problem. It's the uh, everything that Nick talked about when he again made like his proclamation that I'm bucking the trend and I want I want to reimagine what these things look like because I don't have any desire to wear them today. And that's a real problem is that, you know, you have people out there for any number of reason, um, whether it's like sort of the, the stigma of, you know, there's a 
you know, geriatric connotation with it or this disablement, um, you know, it's, there's lots of different negative connotations with it uh, for, you know, I think a lot of it is a little bit unfair baggage, but it's, the problem has always been, I think that um, there's only really been one option. It's like here, you know, you got to wear this thing. And I think that's why what you're trying to do is such a breath of fresh air, because, you know, I think that it's not even really an assertion that hearing aids are completely defunct and that they're not appealing to people. Like there are people that really like the fact that they're almost invisible and, you know, they can walk around and wear them all day. They perform awesome. You know, they, they're, they're great devices for some people, but I think that what really resonated when I was watching your, you know, series of videos, Nick was like, but, but why can't we have alternatives? Why can't we have more options to that? And I do think that it's interesting that there is this uniform approach. Every hearing aid by and large looks the same. And so to have you two come along and say like, well, you know, what, what are ways in which maybe this would be uh, a different spin on it? And I thought like, that's, what's so exciting about this is um, I hope you all succeed, but I think even just putting it out there that there are, there are people out there that are really turned off by the way in which these things look and we want other options. I think that's really important to even just have that like thought exist in the world today. And so I think that that you've already really made a contribution, I think, of, of, uh, of putting that thought out there. And now it's cool to kind of see this thing to come to fruition. And it's fascinating to hear how this thing has kind of come to the point. And it is like you said, from a timing standpoint, where we live in a day and age where it's kind of feasible now, like it is similar in the sense that you used to have to spend a hundred thousand dollars to have a 3d printer, even five years ago, um, to be able to prototype these things. Now you get a one for a couple hundred bucks and you guys are just prototyping like day in and day out, um, to the point to where, you know, now you're maybe piquing the interest of some of these different manufacturers that are at least willing to play ball with you and say, okay, fine. Like, you know, we're willing to dabble in this and, and maybe we'll license some of our electronics or um, our IP in some fashion. So I guess like what, if, if you could speak to prospective partners and those that can help to bring this into fruition, like what would be your message that you want to communicate um, and, and to kind of like what you're trying to do here? And it's only January of 2022. So there's a lot of time left in the year. What would, what would be the best way to maximize your time this year um, and, and kind of, I guess, corral some additional support? Yeah, so I, I think, um, like, as we said before, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to the tech. And um, one thing that we're really keen to find a partner on is is repackaging something that already exists. Like, we're keen to kind of get something into the market as quick as possible, learn about what we need to improve, and then improve on it. And that means not trying to build a custom hearing device, like, with everything, even if it's not from the ground up, like, let's just try and repackage something pretty quick. And I think we're looking for um, partners that share that kind of mentality with us as well. I think some might be more, might err more on the side of um, spending three years and tweaking the perfect thing. Like we're planning to design something which is as close to perfect and build something that's as close to perfect as we can take it. Um, but we want to move quickly. We want to get these uh, safely in users' ears and 
learn how we can make it even better going forward. So we're looking to move quick. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like we've been talking about, like, I, I think me and Nick have a lot of respect for like all this, like technology and hearing aids out there and um, like they, they function great. Um, we just kind of have our own vision of how we want to, how we want to wear that technology and also around like the experience of, um, you know, like, uh, buying the hearing aid unpackaging it, fitting in all this kind of stuff. Um, I think we have a good idea of what we want to do there. Um, so, but we're, you know, we're, um, we're more focused on the design side and the marketing and branding and stuff. Um, because we know like there's a lot of great people out there doing great stuff. And, uh, I think we just want to make friends in the industry and find some people that are willing to go on this journey with us and, uh, yeah, have a lot of fun with ears. <laughs> I know. I think it's really neat. Um, I guess as we kind of come to the close here, I'm curious, uh, what, what has been some of the feedback that you've gotten from some of these other early adopters, if you will, people that you're kind of fitting with their own, um, set of decibels, what, what, what's some of the feedback that, that you think is worth sharing? The really cool thing is making something, I guess, that was originally planned for my ears. Uh, and then kind of putting it on someone and just like really hoping it's actually going to work and like I would say like 95% of the time like what we've made works really well and we don't really have to make too many changes um, and so the feedback's been fantastic it's like people are going wow this is feels so much lighter than having uh, than having like an earbud in my ear or something like this uh, you know the interesting thing like we're also we're keen to really tap into the area of the hearing loss market that are not currently hearing aid wearers. I mean, this is really why we kind of wanted to start this project. So many people don't wear hearing aids who really could benefit from the technology. So that these are the people we want to, um, we want to build products for. And what's interesting is that we're putting these kind of prototype devices in the ears of people who've never worn hearing aids before. And I think they're all a little bit like, oh, wow, that feels really deep in my ear canal. Uh, just because the, the difference to having earbuds in your ear and, you know, a few more millimeters of uh, something a little bit deeper can feel a little bit weird and uncomfortable for a couple of people for the first couple of seconds. But then, yeah, 30 seconds later, often many of them forget that it's even there. So it's, uh, it's cool to kind of witness people who've never experienced the technology kind of try it for the first time and just really uh, watch like what are the things they react to um, what things do they like what things are they kind of maybe a little bit shocked about and then these are all things that we can use to kind of just continuously iterate on our design on our experience to kind of build something that's going to be as uh, easy to kind of blend in with the with the existing world today yeah exactly like the the outsider perspective is the really interesting one for me because i mean i i have like let's say like i'm a bit of a newbie to the hearing aid space and the experience of putting hearing aids on, but now I'm starting to get used to it. So when we like, you know, test with people and like, for instance, the thing where people don't want to put the, the speaker way into their ear, <laughs> like it's just kind of like all this stuff that's kind of normal in the hearing aid world, but like in a way isn't like normal unless you're deep into it and kind of getting like, like let's say a fresh set of eyes on this and, um, I mean, really what we're doing, like, is if hearing aids were invented now, 
what would they be like? And we're, we're doing our take on that um, and putting our own like creativity and experience into that too. Um, also, it's interesting to hear about like the, the features people want to like, what do people think is important? Like what does somebody expect in 2022 that a hearing aid would do um, if they've never worn a hearing aid before? Um, so it's, it's a really interesting getting the feedback there. Um, but I would say like outside of the testing too, just like, let's say, you know, obviously Nick's like a very charismatic, good looking young British guy with a nice mustache that people want to watch. <laughs> so he, he pulls people into the video, but like, you know, I think early on when I was just kind of like helping Nick and I think I wanted to get more involved, but I think he was also trying to like suck me in. He was just sending me these comments that people would do on the video. Like, you know, I've worn hearing aids my whole life and I'm like 24 and I hate it. And like, please make it, you know, like stuff like this. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. Like, yeah. It's really, it's really amazing. Like what, um, you know, people just want something that looks nice and, um, you know, like I'm, I'm in the realm of product design. So I totally get that. Like, you know, like we're, everyone's a little bit emotional, no matter how like logical we try to be. Um, so it's like, um, I just lean into it and say, yeah, let's make something that, um, like it's, it started as something that me and Nick like, but, um, it seems like that we're, we're tapping into something that other people like as well. So we're happy to share as much as we can. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's really neat. I mean, ultimately you're, uh, you're providing people with an alternative and I think that's resonating. Um, I think there's a lot of young people out there that feel as if, uh, that the, the current form factors don't really speak to them. I think it's really interesting, Nick, that you're making it a huge focus to say, why are we making these things invisible? We should, these should be visible. You should be proud to be wearing something like that. You should want to wear something like that. And that's a really interesting sort of, there's a lot of depth to that thought. You know, there's a lot more than meets the eye there because you think about it and it's true. It's like AirPods are probably the the polar opposite of hearing aids in that regard, where they are almost a social symbol at this point. People really do buy them as a status thing. They want to be seen wearing them. And uh, so there's a lot to be said for that about, you know, this, this idea of, um, you know, if you are going to design a product in a way where you're increasingly making it more and more invisible, there are trade-offs. And I do think that one of the trade-offs is that you do sort of inherently position the product in a way that almost is you're, you're communicating that you don't want people to know about that. And so I think there's a lot of interesting aspects to what you're doing in terms of challenging these what is now uniform thinking in this industry, I think. Um, and again, I think that's just really cool is that I think today, you know, this combination of having new blood and new thinking that's kind of coming in and it coincides with the ability for folks like you to kind of get something off the ground rather quickly and cost efficiently is a pretty potent combo. So I think it's definitely, um, I'm taking you too serious. I think it's definitely like, uh, you know, you're on to something here clearly as it resonates with more and more of these people that are, that, that are, at, are kind of like being exposed to what you're doing and, and buying into this idea. So I think it's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's a super, yeah. Thanks. You know, it's a super interesting topic, the invisibility thing. 
Cause like over Christmas, my, my aunt just started wearing hearing aids. I was hanging out with her on Christmas and I was like, Oh yeah. You know, like I'm actually working on this thing with a friend and you know, like hearing aids are always supposed to be hidden. And we, we want to like change that because you know, like you don't hide your glasses and you can get designer glasses. Like why, why can't you get like good looking hearing aids kind of thing. And then she just looked at me and she said, you know, I don't think that's going to work. People want invisible hearing aids. <laughs> it's just like, well, but that, that, that is, a, it's a really interesting thing because again, it's like, there are camps of people like um, my mom wears hearing aids. And I think that uh, she likes the fact that they're, you know, kind of invisible. I think there's a large portion of people that do, but again, I don't think that negates the fact that there are people that feel the opposite. And if you only cater to one portion of people, then of course you're kind of alienating these other camps. So the question that is remain to be seen is like, how big is this camp? And I also think that you kind of touched on it earlier with the, these more mild forms of hearing loss, you know, this has been, this has kind of been a huge topic of conversation within the industry. That's only picking up more momentum as uh, you know, all the OTC legislation in the U S is, is due to kind of come online next year um, is like, are these people not buying hearing aids because the price point is their main objection? Or are these people never going to wear what you're basically offering them today? Do we need to rethink the entire way, kind of like what you're doing of the type of offering that's actually going to resonate with these people? Does it look more like an earbud? Does it look more like something like a bone conduction device that sits kind of up, you know, on the opening of your ear? I, I just think that these are really interesting thought experiments because I'm not really bought into this idea that cheaper hearing aids is going to suddenly create mass adoption. There's parts of the world that have free hearing aids, Nick, in, you know, your home country of the UK, the NHS gives them out. I mean, I mean there's some, you know, like, um, nuance to this, but it is by and large free to be able to get that. And their adoption rates are pretty similar to the U S. So it kind of continues to beg this question of like, uh, is like the, the solution here really just lower cost hearing aids? Maybe that's going to drive more adoption. I think it's a net positive, but I don't really think it's a silver bullet. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, absolutely reduce the price of hearing aids. That is really important. More just like this is a, a product that improves people's lives. Let's make it affordable. That needs to be done like without any question. But yeah, I mean, I think there was a study that was done uh, last year that said something like, even if hearing aids were completely invisible and completely free, still only 30% of people would actually go ahead and get them. And it, it was just like kind of eye-opening to me. Whereas I think the way that we look at a lot of products is based on what our current experience of that product or product category is. But like you said, almost all hearing aids look pretty much exactly the same i think that i actually showed gray a pdf from hearing tracker which had this kind of map of all of the different hearing uh hearing aid brands and then like their flagship devices and he goes wow they all made the same product <laughs> like they they will look pretty much exactly the same and so i think if you are in your audiology practice and you talk to one of your patients and you say hey would you like a visible hearing aid the only thing they've ever experienced is one design like you can't you can't ask someone to 
reimagine something completely new because they've never seen it before. And so right. that's what we're that we're taking that responsibility for everyone else. You've not seen any alternative. Why would you expect one? That's what we want to do for you. We want to create a new way of looking at it altogether. And yeah, the topic of invisibility in general is just I, I it frustrates me because I feel like the hearing aid industry is one of the only ones that the only industry that seems to stigmatize its own products. It kind of implies that you should be trying to hide their product. I mean, with any other kind of consumer product, you have a problem in your life that technology can solve. You are putting your arms up saying, please, yeah, I want to buy this product and I'm happy that I have it because it improves my life. And now if these companies suddenly were like, hey, you should also be trying to hide this, it, it takes all of the desire away from buying it in many ways. Look at look at optometry, right? I mean, they're they have a vis- invisible solution, contacts, yet there yeah. is, you know, that they, they've there's about 10% been, adoption, I believe. Well, and and it's interesting, you know, like I think that we're all roughly the same age. Like even when we were kids, it was, you know, the stigma of four eyes. And now you have people that are wearing designer glasses that are that aren't prescription lenses, you know, that's just truly fashionable. There's a lot to learn there. You know, I don't really know exactly what the key takeaways are, but that's got to be something that this industry needs to take a really good hard look at is um, they were literally faced with the exact same dilemma, which is, do we go all in on, on, on contact lenses? Um, And clearly like they catered toward that, but also toward the eyeglasses and, and, and actually like the Warby Parker's that really kind of challenged this. And maybe it's the business model that needs um, sort of a revitalization. So there's a lot there. Definitely. I'm super excited because I think the next couple of years, we're going to see more innovation probably in the next 12 months than we've seen in the last 12 years when it comes to hearing tech. Agree. I think uh, with the OTC market about to open, I think it just allows I guess it allows players like us to come and make a make a difference, you know, without these huge barriers to entry, which have been uh, preventing a lot of other people from doing stuff. So um, I think you're going to see some interesting stuff coming from headphone companies, uh, hearing aid incumbents. I think everyone's going to start looking at it in a slightly different way. And uh, I think we're really excited to kind of be trying to kind of spearhead that movement in one way or another um and put our flag in the ground awesome well thank you two so much for uh joining me today thanks for everybody who tuned in here to the end and we will chat with you next time